All righty, if you got a Bible, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 31. I, I, I it, entitled this message, it's, it's something that's dear to my heart, and um, it's, uh, and we see it all the time in people's lives. Uh, sometimes what's disturbing is, is they're not prepared for it. And so I entitled this message, Preparing to Go Home. And are you ready? Ready to go home? And uh, man, can't wait. Especially the older you get, you just get start getting kind of giddy about it. And um, it's going to be something that is is quite a quite an experience. Uh, this is this is um, this is Jacob getting ready to go home, back to his home, and. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to look at his, uh, continue to look at his journey here. Uh, would you pray with me this morning? Lord, this is, uh, this is your word. And in it, you have so much for us to learn. And it is truly alive and powerful. And it's spirit and it's life, as Jesus said. And when we read of, of real people just like ourselves, uh, uh, sojourning and, and pilgrim pilgriming through their, this life and um, Lord we we know we have a destination and we know that um, truly this world is not our home that it is a uh, it's very temporary and uh, some of us are going to be a little more temporary than others but Lord we thank you that uh, that we have this incredible hope that we can be prepared for that day and uh, and so many of us don't even know when that is but we know our God the one who holds our breath in his hand and the one who is in control of every beat of our heart lord and so uh we love you and we we want to draw near to you even today and i know there may be some here today that they're not ready and lord i pray that this would be their day this would be their preparation day to see you face to face to hear you say those those sought after words that every believer would want to hear well done thou good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your Lord. And so Lord, uh, be with us and speak to our hearts and may we, uh, may we truly um, be willing to prepare ourselves uh, for when, uh, when our home going comes in Jesus' name, amen. All righty. Well, let's just jump right in here. We, we got old Jake last time. We was looking at his breeding program and, and, um, and uh, him, him, uh, him and Laban kind of jockeying back and forth to see who was the shrewdest of the two. And um, Jacob had met his match, and yet God was with him. Do you have the sense, folks, that God's with you? So if you, if you have the sense that God's with you, uh, then it's, like, it's almost like you feel like, Lord, there's nothing I can't do, Right? Because that old saying is true. We're totally indestructible until God's done with us. And, and when God's with us, even trouble, when it comes, we know he's going to see us through it. But people who aren't real sure, they're not sure that God's with them. In fact, they might kind of think that God's against them because of their life and their trouble and, and their trials and tribulations. And yet, Jacob had a sense that God was with him in spite of all the shenanigans that his father-in-law was, was pulling. And so it goes from bad to worse. We start in verse 1 of chapter 31. I'm, 
I'm going to, you guys can, can, can critique me afterwards. I, I did, did a funeral this last week and I watched it on video and I thought, oh my gosh, I, I, I move way too much. So if I fade, it's because my knees are locked because I'm trying not to move quite as much. And, and I talk too fast. So I'm going to slow things down. Not really. Okay. Okay. So we'll start in verse 1 of chapter 31. And it says, Now Jacob heard words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has acquired all this wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable toward him as before. And then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and go to your family, and I will be with you. And so he's uh, done so well with his breeding program that the, the, his brother-in-laws are a little upset. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you could imagine Hey, dad gave this guy this start. Now look at him. He's, got, uh, he, he's had the bumper crop of, 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 of kids and lambs every single year. You know, not just having twins, but triplets and maybe even a quad here and there. That's, that's a, lot of, a lot of bad going on. And, um, and he says he's taken away our wealth. We, you know that if you remember the last chapter... That was the deal. He wasn't taking away anything. In fact, in the last chapter, we saw that Jacob was ready to go home then. And, um, and, and he was ready to go back. And, and Laban goes, no, no, wait a minute. Why not, why not, tell me what you want for your wages. What? And, and he says, well, you don't have to give me anything. He says, let's do the, the speckled spotted and the, and the gray. And I get them and, and you get the solid colored ones. And, and we remember there was a little bit of shenanigans going on with the whole popular thing and stripping the green off of them at the, at the water and troughs and no telling what that, what that really did. I'd, I'd read to you a, a little blurb that they had done some livestock studies on poplar and the poplar bark actually enhanced the immune system of livestock and caused weight gain. So his lambs and, and um, kids were the fattest and the best. And so these guys are, well, they're envious. And um, they're envious of their brother-in-law and they're, they're convincing themselves that he's stolen their inheritance. And so this, this envy thing is, is brutal, folks. You ought not to have any of this going on in your heart and in your life. I, I looked it up in the dictionary, envy, a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. Well, how come they get that? You know, years ago, I, uh, I remember reading a book. I think it was, it was Harold Morris's book, Twice Pardoned. And um, he began to share his story. And I mean, he was just flourishing in the ministry. And, and some, uh, some, some young Christian guy walked up to him and goes, well, well how, come, how come you get to do all this and get to do all this speaking and stuff? 
and Harold Morris, he, he called a spade, a spade. He looked right at the guy. You mean, you mean, why not you? That's what you mean. Right? Being envy, envious is, 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 is condemned big time uh, in Scripture. It's not only bad on its own, but it's also um, bad for the company it keeps. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about it. He says, for you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Somebody who has named the name of Christ and is, is on their way in their walk, there's no place for this in their life. None at all. It will cripple you. It will stifle you. It will keep you from being fruitful. It will cause you to be barren and produce absolutely nothing. That's why the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be willing to do both. It has no place at all in our lives. James talks about it. It's just brutal. James 3.16, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing is there. Every evil thing. And you see somebody blessed, rejoice. If you have to do it in your, in your closet, in your own heart, rejoice for your own good. First Corinthians 13 says, instead, love, because love suffers long and is kind and does not envy, right? You really love your brother or sister in Christ? There's no place for that. No place for envy at all. Uh, God desires to deliver us from it. Titus 3.3 says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Envy is no small sin at all. In fact, it's the very thing that took Jesus, or put Jesus, should I say, on the cross. Pilate, it says, for Pilate knew that they had handed him over because of envy. They seen the crowds gathering around Jesus, right? They seen the, the fruit of his ministry. And here they were wearing their phylacteries and their robes, and they thought they're all selves all hoity-toity on a spiritual plane above everybody else. And that just isn't true of anyone. No human being is above another. We're all the same. I went and prayed for a little nine-month-old girl yesterday. And I left walking on cloud nine, that little girl. I didn't bless her. She blessed me. A little hero. She's my little hero. I just love her. And that's the way it is. It's just, just loving one another. The Bible says it's, the, it's the, the great, beautiful witness to the world that we belong to him. Never, ever being envious of one another. So the envy of Laban's son poisoned Laban's heart towards Jacob. Do you realize that? How you talk about people 
they form an opinion by the words that you speak of someone. Doesn't matter if they're, what their character is like, how you personally speak about them can shape somebody's attitude towards somebody else. That's why Thumper's counsel is so powerful. You know Thumper, the great theologian. Thumper. Like his mama said there in Bambi, if you can't say something good, don't say something at all. You got to tap your foot while you do it. It's true, just be still. Be slow to speak. But Laban's countenance had changed. His body language. Right, you know body language? Do you realize how much of communication is body language? It's, it's a lot. It's, it's, it's crazy. The studies that, that they've done, a guy by the name of Alter Merharabian, a searcher, a researcher of body language who first broke down the components of face-to-face uh, conversation, he found that communication is seven, or excuse me, 55% nonverbal, 38% vocal, that's inflection of voice and tone of voice, and 7% words only. That crazy. So Jacob, all he had to do was see Laban and he knows, oh no, I'm in trouble. Right? Husband, you know that, right? <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> I have got a bone to pick with you. I know things get loud in my house when I'm in trouble, right? Pots, pans, doors. Actually, my wife got the t- silent treatment yesterday. I went and got my chainsaw. We, we had a little, a little tiff. Got it all worked out. We didn't, we didn't go to bed angry. You ever have those? The vibes out, I was chopping wood now. I'm telling you what, the chips were literally flying. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting. You know that when you've offended somebody or somebody's sideways with you, I used to see it at the school. The kids that I used to be close with that their parents had a problem with me, all of a sudden they would fold their arms and they would walk around me and not make eye contact. Pastor Scotty, he had done something. I said, oh, oh maybe I better have a talk with somebody. And, and they, they keep their distance, right? There's usually a distance. They keep a distance between you and them. If they've been offended, they fold their arms. Um, no eye contact, head tilted back. Um, furrow in the brow when they look at you. There's not an inviting, warm look. It's like stiletto eyeballs, you know? Knives are shooting out. And um, they, a lot of times they'll turn their back to you. It's, it's, it's tough. And it's really tough when it's family, right? Jacob's working for family. I've done this, working for family. It's not always easy, especially not always. It's, it's good when things are good, but when things go bad, it's like, am I going to get invited over for Thanksgiving? Right? 
So I worked for my brother-in-law for 10 years. I was an equipment operator <clears throat> and I was a, I was a expert locator, right? I located phone lines, water lines, <laughs> power lines, uh, gas lines. Uh, it's amazing I didn't go up and smoke. And, 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 and you know, it's, I was actually putting my brother-in-law in a very tough spot. You know, he had this guy that was really good at tearing stuff up. And, uh, and he had to discipline me. I was running a grader, which I wasn't really good on a grader, but I was grading a canal bank and I got a little too close to a telephone pole and bumped it. Didn't know it, but it was rotted off at the ground. So it started to come and my wing caught it, you know, in the power. So it didn't hit no metal or spark or anything, but I'm sitting here with this, with this power pole on top of this grader and, and my brother-in-law finally, because of the incident, he had to put me in a dump truck. My other brother-in-law found out about it. He says, you put Scotty in a dump truck? You took him from in being in a machine that goes two miles an hour to a dump truck that goes 70? Somebody is going to die. That's it. But what do you do with that, right? Now, the Lord was working in my life. He had a hold of my heart. I totally understood the predicament my poor brother-in-law was in, having to discipline me. And I... I you know what, when you got a whooping take, you know, a whooping coming, just bend over and grab your ankles, right? Just bend over and grab your ankles if you got a whooping coming. Just take it. It's all good. And we still talk, right? And I can see him on the holidays, and there's no, there's no hard feelings. I, I, but then I worked for my brother for 20 years. And my baby brother to boot. And that can be tough. Because everybody got their own ideas, Right? And that boy has always had big ideas. From the time he was little, had big ideas. I didn't always agree with these ideas, but guess what? He was the boss. <laughs> right? So I said, yes, sir. And, and Jacob, for 20 years, he said, yes, sir. He's been doing what, what Laban has asked him. And, and in their agreement, he's, he's, he's been very faithful. And... Um, Now, it seems to be going south. One thing to note, too, when, when, you, you, uh, when you're subject to somebody, and, you know, like when, when Clay had to discipline me there at the canal company, he, uh, there, there's a Proverbs that says this in, in, in 27, 5, and 6, and I think it was very real to me back then. It says, open, open rebuke is better than love, carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. That a lot of times we, 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 need, we do need to be disciplined and we do need to be able to take correction. And if you're too prideful to, to do that, then, uh, then you got a problem with, with the Lord because he's called us to be teachable. He ca he's called us to be the wise person in the book of, of uh, Proverbs and not the fool because the contrast is the fool won't receive instruction or correction. But the wise man does and gets better. And then in verse 3, notice it says there that, that um, then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and go, go to your family and I will be with you. God tells him to go. It's time to go home, Jacob. 
right? You've been here a long time. Think about it. Jacob probably thought it was just going to be like a two or three month jaunt, run over and see his family and get a bride and get back. It's been 20 years. Isn't it amazing how fast 20 years goes? Wow. It is absolutely amazing. It's fascinating. In fact, when I went and prayed for that little girl yesterday, I remember her little brother when he was in fourth grade grid kid football, her, her dad. He's a man. He's got a beard. 20 years went really fast. Boy, I'm... And here he is. And his circumstances are such that though clear back in, in verse 25 of chapter 30, he was thinking about going back after his son Joseph was born. And, and now his circumstances are getting to the point to where, okay, it's almost has to happen, right? I've spent my time here. I think that happens to all of us. Years ago, I remember I was in that excavator working at the canal company and, and uh, I remember listening to Chuck Swindoll and, uh, and especially for believers, he says, whatever you do, don't drive your tent stakes too deep. Because you never know when the Lord's going to come along and say, pull them tent stakes, buddy. You're out of here. I'm preparing myself for that, right? We've been in the same place for 20 years. And uh, I don't see anything in the, in the future, but I know it can happen. I know that any moment the Lord can just say, all right, now you're, you've been going this way. Now you're going to go this way. And that's what he's telling Jacob here. He says, all right, it's time. You get up and you get, you get going. And so he didn't expect to be as long as he had been. Notice, but the Lord tells him, he says, I will be with you. And so it's like, it's like Jacob's heart and, and the Lord had, had talked to him about that also back then when, when Joseph was born. And then, and then Laban goes, oh, ho, 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 time out. Let's do that. Let's do a little negotiating here. How about that's when the whole speckled, spotted, right, gray sheep goat thing came up. He said, I'll, I'll give you, you know, I'll, I'll give, you, give you them. He thought he was cutting a fat hog because... His herds was probably growing at, at, at um, a greater rate with the, with the solids. But Laban didn't know something. He didn't know how God was going to be working in Jacob's life. And so it is with you and me. People don't know what God's doing in our lives. right? Sometimes our families don't know what God's doing in our lives. Sometimes your family will think you're crazy when you heed the call of God. But when God moves and, and when God instructs, it's a good idea for us to listen. Jacob is in a trial here. And one thing about trials that you notice, that I've noticed over the years, there's usually three elements to the trial. Number one, the intensity. Trials can be intense, right? They can be very intense. Uh, secondly, is, is the duration. How long is the, does the trial last? I got a cough. <coughs> and thirdly, 
the purpose of the trial. So see, God doesn't waste anything. God allows us to go through trials and he is going to teach us things as we go through those trials. No trial is wasted for the believer. So I hope, hope you're in that camp today. If you're not a believer, please become one, right? You're missing out on some really cool trials. Because every believer is going to go through trials, right? And, and, and just become a believer and then and the Lord will be with you, right? He promises Jacob that in verse three, and I will be with you. Is it going to be easy? Well, of course not. It's not going to be easy. Whoever said life was easy? We should never assume that in our lives. Actually, you shouldn't even desire it. I mean, I am amazed at the 70 and 80-year-olds I see that have trouble. I I almost get discouraged sometimes. Really? When you get old and gray and it's hard to walk and you still have trials? Listen, it is a labor coming into this world and it is a labor going out, right? It just is. And a whole lot of trials in the middle. And so he's been in this trial there is an intensity level, there's a duration, and there's also a purpose. And we know that the purpose, we find it, we hear it all the time. Uh, some of you have this on your fridge. We quote it to each other all the time. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose, right? He stretches us, he molds us, he shapes us. It's really spiritual aerobics. He's getting you spiritually, spiritually conditioned to fight this spiritual battle that we're all in. Because it is an absolute war zone, the Christian life. Right? There's nothing playish about it. It's, it's just real hard life. And so, so Jacob is in a trial and lo and behold, guess what he does? He counsels with his brides, right? That is a smart move on his part. In verse four, it says, so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock and said to them, I see your father's countenance that it is not favorable uh, toward me as before, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might, I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages 10 times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away away the livestock of your father and given them to me. God did it. And he did, right? So it sounds like after they made the deal of all the speckled, the spotted, and the streaked, right? Then he goes, uh, let's do the speckled this year. I just want to do the speckled this year. And guess what? Everything had speckled. Uh, let's go uh, speckled to me, speckles. Let's go stripes. We'll go stripes this year. So within a six-year period, Jacob is busting, man. I mean, he has got herds and flocks um, that are actually second to nobody, it seems like, because God's hand is all over him. You know, when you're walking in the will of the Lord, you're blessed. 
you're blessed. Not just because of what you have, right? But God's hand is on your life. You know, we're seeing so much of that with the, with the nation of Israel right now, with everybody looking down their nose at Israel, and yet God's with them. And, and, and just like Jacob, well, Jacob is Israel, but just like Jacob, right? It's not because he's good. It's because God is good, and God promised, and God keeps his promise in spite of us. Are you thankful for that? You should be, right? I'm so thankful that God, God keeps his promise in spite of me. And so he talks to his, his, uh, his brides and he says, uh, your dad, he's hot, man. He's upset with me, but God is with me. God is with me. Uh, even though Laban, you know, tried to cheat Jacob, God protected him all the time. Changing his wages 10 times, God showed G Jacob that he was greater and able to overcome what any man might do to Jacob. God's presence was with Jacob. And just uh, as he promised, clear back in chapter 28, I'm going to be with you. And, and you remember when he's put his head on that stone, he didn't have a total understanding who this God is. I don't think here he does still. He's going to go deeper with the Lord still. He recognizes God. He acknowledges God. But I see a lot of people do that. I see a lot of Americans do that. Right? They'll say things like the good Lord above, you know. And, uh, um, you know, we're blessed. And, and they, they acknowledge that there's somebody who gives blessing and that there is a God. But do they really know him? I mean, statistically, it's, it's frightening when you read the word. And then people that would come into a room like this, and according to the soils, 25% actually know God and bear spiritual fruit. Pastor Gordon used to say, no, I think it's 10. Right? And yet, Jacob, he knows, he knows that God's with him. He knows that God has protected him. He did what was right. Notice he tells his wives, I worked, right? With all my might, I served your father. Jacob not only believed that he had um, acted properly towards Laban, but he also believed that, that his wives knew of his righteous conduct. They knew that he had worked hard and uh, of their dad's unfair treatment of, of him. And um, I wonder what the girls were thinking when he started talking about this God. Right? Because um, they mentioned God later, but they used the word Elohim. That's not near as personal as what we see in other parts of the word where we see the word Lord, which means Adonai. Or, or Jehovah, Yahweh. They didn't know him. You know him? You know God? You know the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he is the express image of the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. When you know him, like Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen the character of the Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you know him as your Lord and Savior, yes, you know Adonai. You know Jehovah, Yahweh. You know him. 
And folks, I'm convinced it is our purpose. Your purpose and my purpose in this life is to know him. And secondly, it's, it is to make him known. That's, we're to be that vessel that God lives his life through to this world. I hope that you're surrendered to that place today and you recognize his, his power in your life. He, he, he knew that God was with him and this attitude is expressed in Psalm 118, verse six. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember, Jesus kind of reiterated that. He said, listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of somebody who can come and kill you, kill your body. Don't be afraid of that. But I tell you who you should fear. Fear the one who, after you are dead, has the power to cast your soul into hell. That's the one you should fear. No man. Fear no man. So, I'm sure these, uh, these wives of Jacob are taking note about what their husband is saying. We get to verse 10, and it said, And it happened at that time when the flocks conceived, and that I, um, that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped on the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. And then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, Here I here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked and speckled and gray spotted for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. And I am the God of Bethel where you anointed the pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. So God's telling him, you know, your little breeding program, that wasn't you. That was me. I was the one who inspired those speckled, spotted, you know, gray spotted sheep to do, rams to do their business. I did that. It wasn't you. That wasn't the poplar at the watering trough. I did that. Also, Jacob, do you remember? I'm the God of Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. I'm that God. The ladder, remember, Jake, the ladder the angels of God ascending and descending, that's me. Maybe Jake had lost sight. Yeah, we get busy in life. Get busy in our careers and doing things, raising kids, right? Trying to keep your marriage together. You're just, you just all this maintenance, all this stuff you got to take care of because you're sinful, they're sinful. It's a lot of work. And sometimes we... Leave the Lord in the dust. We don't cry out until, oh no, there's a crisis. You ever been there? <laughs> right? Yeah. Ah, God, we, we, we haven't talked to you in a long time. I, I, I've talked to people like this and I'm just like, you're kidding me. It's a miracle you're not dead. What if God just took his hand off your life and let you do your thing? He's so much better than what I would be, right? God is. So the angel of the Lord tells him, I'm in control, right? I, I increased your herds. Uh, Jacob, I am that God of, of Bethel, that, that house where it says, 
where you were actually willing to make a commitment to me. You remember it was kind of, Lord, if you do this, then I'll do this. Like, it's almost like, it was almost like a negotiation with God. You ever tried that? You ever tried negotiating? Oh, God. I remember first time I ever had a hangover, I was like 15 or something. I was commode hugging, and I'm like, oh, God, this hurts so bad. If you'll just heal me up, I'll never drink again. Right. A headache was gone by the next night, and it was, party on, dude. Right? Just... Lord, why'd you let this happen? You ever, you done that one? How could you? What do you mean, how could he? Go look in the mirror, right? This, we're so good at making messes and then we blame it on God. And, and, and Jacob recognized there that night that truly God is in this place, right? And and so the Lord's saying, I am that one that you, you made a vow to and, and, and I want you to come back. Maybe that's where you're at. You've kind of been doing your own thing and, and the Lord's been patient with you. And maybe right now he's saying, you know what? You and me need to be a little tighter, right? You've messed around. You've fooled you around long enough, right? Come on, come on back. And that's when we backslide. Have you ever done that? I did. And after I got saved, started sliding backward into the old world. And the Lord's just going, no, go back, pick up your cross, die to yourself, right? Die to yourself, pick up your cross, keep walking. Screwed up for a while. I still love you. I still got a plan for your life. I'm still going to use you. Will you let me? Because God's not going to kick the door of your life down and say, all right, here I am. I'm in control now. He won't do that. It's a gentle knock. Hello? I'm here. You going to open? Or are you just going to sit there? No, I'm doing it my way. Set your jaw. And wallow in your misery, right? It's like the Lord saying, you remember when he said that to the church there at Ephesus? No, 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 wait, wait a minute. You remember when you first met me? You remember when you first got saved? I mean, how giddy? I remember being nine years old and getting saved. I think I got saved. Now that I look back, I think I got saved when I was nine years old. I didn't know, know a, a nine-year-old could feel that light. It's like, all that sin, that wicked nine years of sin <laughs> had just been lifted off of me. And I'm like, oh, hallelujah. It was just glorious. It's that first love. Tell me if this doesn't parallel Jacob's life in Revelation chapter two, in verse two, it says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and found them liars. And you have persevered and, and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You left it. Other pursuits got in the way. 
and cut you off. I've lived almost 62 years now and I have tasted a lot of things and there's not one thing that can even scratch the surface of my relationship with Jesus. I don't care what you do, what you taste, how much money you get, how successful you are, I, how evil you want to be, you will not experience the satisfaction that is found in this person who came and lived like you and I and died on that cross as a propitiation for our sin. You will not ever get even close to anything that is as satisfying as him. And you can chase all you want and he's right there. Just go back, pick up your cross, love him with your life until the end. That is somebody who's complete, lacking nothing. And he tells them, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I was just talking to a friend yesterday about that. People hate that word. They hate the word repent. It's a beautiful word. You mean God actually gives me a way out? Yeah, he says, turn from your sin and turn to me. Repentance is beautiful. Maybe a whole lot of it needs to be done in here today. Right? Turn. You turn from a certain way of life and you turn back to Jesus. And you be in love with him. Yeah, love, love is a choice. You choose to love your mate, right? I was mad at mine yesterday and had my chainsaw out. I was killing trees left and right. A couple, couple hours later, I said, I looked at my wife. I said, I sure do love you. She goes, I love you too, even when you're PO'd at me. What do you do? You just choose. You can stay mad. You can stay mad your whole life. I know some people like that. They've been mad their whole life. In fact, their whole life is everybody else's fault. You know? No. You choose to love. You choose to love your mate. You choose to love your children. You choose to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You choose to love your enemy. You choose to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You choose to do that. It is an act of your will. It's not because you feel like it. Good gracious. We would all be a basket case if we only did it when we felt like it, right? He says, repent, come back. So God tells Jacob, get up and go. Return to that first love. Time's a-wasting. Verse 13 there, where it says, now arise, get out of this land, return to the land of your family. We know that is the land of promise. Spiritually speaking, it's the Christian, spirit-filled Christian life, this land of promise. It's a picture of that. You know, it's hard to believe sometimes how far away from home we can get. And worse yet, how long you can stay there. 
how far away from home you can get and how long you can stay there. That's part of the enemy's schemes, right? He promises you more than he'll pay, right? And he keeps you longer than you want to stay. Some people, well, I'm so broken. I'm so broken from, from what people have done to me. So that's your excuse? How about just letting them go? Letting their sin go? Forgiving them? Choosing to love them? And going on? Keep walking with Jesus? Just let it go. It's really not that difficult, but it is, right? I mean, it's simple. It's practically very simple, but so many people can't do it. The little clip I played last week, you're not that important. I'm not that important. In fact, that's why Paul said, esteem others more highly than yourself, right? We have a really hard time doing that. Because for some reason, we think that we matter. That we matter above anybody else, and we don't. We don't matter above anybody else. So some people, I can't even feel anymore. You know, uh, I've been so hurt and so upset. And that's, that, all of that is such an inward focus. Jesus goes... <laughs> Do you get it? That's why you deny yourself, right? Pastor Gordon says, you have no rights to be right. When you come to Jesus, you give up all those rights. You do not have the right to be right. The old saying that the corpse can't be tempted. It can't get angry. Have you ever seen an angry person in a casket shaking their fist? No, their hands are usually like this. If you went up there and cussed him out and called his name or if he was a drunk or a druggie and set some, set some you know, temptation there, is he going to fall? No. A corpse is dead. It can't get angry. It can't be offended. It can't get drunk. It can't uh, be tempted with drugs or pornography. God's called you and I to be a corpse. Right, Paul? I die daily. I die to myself every day. Die to yourself and God will fill you up because it's in the laying down of your life that you find life. So God is using all these trials, right? And maybe to draw you to himself. Maybe you're in a trial right now. God just wants to get your attention. That's why Paul said, set your mind on things above. If you set your mind here, you're going to be so frustrated. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. God's calling us to put our mind on our eternal home. Our examples, Jacob's great-grandpa, was his grandpa, Grandpa Abraham, right? That's where his mind was, and he was a rich, wealthy man. It wasn't here. It was in heaven. They were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. We have to be willing to change our focus and let God move us. And when God says go, guess what you should do? You should go. When God says go, go. Now, it may be geographical, but it may not. It might just be giving your heart 
completely and fully to him. Maybe that's what God's saying. You know, go away from this stuff, this frivolous stuff you're doing and come to me. Jesus said something interesting in Luke chapter six. This is a great scripture. Jesus said, but why do you call me Lord and you do not do the things which I say? Why do you call him Lord if you're not willing to do what he tells you to do? Don't call him Lord then, because he's not. My buddy's old saying just always rings in my ears. If you believe it, live it. If you don't live it, you don't believe it. And that is just a matter of fact. Just prove it by the way you live. I'm sick and tired of hearing words and how people, oh, I'm serving the Lord. Just let me watch you. So the girls respond to their man. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completely consumed our money for all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. Hey, that's cool. Leah and Rachel are growing, right? They're, they're getting behind their man. This is probably the only thing they've agreed on. I'm definitely up to this point, you know, they're starting to get it. They're, they're like, yeah, our dad's he's kind of been cutting your cinch and trying to cheat you, but, but we see that all that we have, that would be our inheritance. But, God's, but Laban, our dad, he spent all our money that the girls would actually have a dowry, right? That's why a, 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 a groom would pay a dowry to the dad in case the, the, the husband put the girl away, she could have something to go live on. But Laban spent theirs. They were stuck. They were stuck with Jacob and they knew it. They said, well, hey, whatever the Lord says to you, do it. Ladies, take a note right there. Now, this is ladies' problem. Ladies have a lot of problems. The scripture says, ladies, wives, Respect your husband. Now, does that mean only when he's respectable? No, it doesn't. And that's tough because us men, man, can we be boneheads? I think, didn't Steve just call me and Justin that a little while ago? But, but if he's seeking the Lord and he says, honey, I really feel like the Lord's leading us to do this. Now, you women, you've got so many questions, you overwhelm him. Well, well, uh, well, uh, how are we going to eat? Well, how, where are we going? Oh, well, uh, well, uh, you know. Do you believe God? Do you believe God will take care of you? For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yeah, but I don't got a lot of faith in him. Lord, I got faith in you, but not a lot in him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It is a miracle we made it to Idaho Falls. 
because I vowed when I, when Rick offered me the job to come to Idaho Falls in 2002, I'm just like, my wife has told me for the last five years, we, we always drove, drove up here in the wintertime in February and, she, and it was never like this. And she goes, I could never live here. So when he asked me, I'm like, yeah, when hell freezes over. But we walk by faith. And I didn't try to change your mind. I'd tried that before. Guys, have you ever tried to change your wife's mind? Please don't do that. Just pray for her, right? The Lord's good at changing minds. And the Lord had changed Rachel and Leah's mind maybe about, well, they're like, here we got, we got 11 babies, 12 babies, and we need to be, uh, I guess we better raise them, so we're with you, dude. And it's awesome. The, the, um, the, this God is not personal to them yet, uh, but they actually agree on, on something and, and, and praise the Lord, they're willing, they seem to be willing, Rachel and Leah, to be subject to this God of Jacob because he tells him, whatever God tells you to do, do it. And they don't even believe in him yet. Is that where you're at? You got a little bit of faith. If you're just willing, if you're just willing to be willing, God can work with that. But so many people that just sit there, John, and say, no way, I don't believe in this stuff. I'm, I'm out. God's just saying, just be willing. I'll prove myself to you. And he does. I like what Warren Wiersbe says. He says, both Rachel and Leah agreed that their father hadn't been fair with Jacob or loving towards them and that it was time to make a new beginning. Not only had he treated their husband like a common slave, but also had used up their own dowries. They saw it. They were realists. Three takeaways here I just want to give as we close. God is going to use your circumstances to draw you closer to him, and it may be painful, right? He's going to use your circumstances to draw you closer to him because he wastes nothing. Secondly, he determines the intensity, the, the duration, and the purpose of the trial. And thirdly, he will speak to you clearly through his word. God will. God primarily speaks to you and I through his word. So are you reading it? Because if you only open it here on Sundays, you're just, you're missing all, you're missing the whole thing. Because God really does want to speak to you. We read just this last week in the, in the book of Esther, for such a time as this, right? For such a time as this. It's for such a time as this, folks, for all of us right now who would call ourselves followers of Christ. It is such a time as this that we're to be salt and light in this world. Because I'm convinced that time is very short. And so God is going to, He's going to, um, he's going to use circumstances to speak to your heart, right? And, and, and he's going to um, use other things, the outward uh, things of life. It could be finances. It could be an opportunity presented to you. Uh, it could be just the s still small voice whispering in your ear. This is the way you should walk in it. Just as he spoke to Jacob in the dream, showing him, 
you know, about his flocks and the reason they were so big is because God had done it. God has brought all of us maybe to this very moment to do something new, maybe to take a turn, maybe a different direction, maybe a call home. It's amazing just in the last little bit here in this fellowship, several people, they've just gone back to their old homes. I'm just going, wow, they haven't been there for 20 years. It's time. When God says it's time, it's time. Maybe you're right with the Lord today. That's cool. You're ready for whatever he calls you to do. You're ready. If you're not right with the Lord, get right with the Lord so that you will be ready when he calls. And maybe he's just simply calling you to be right with him today. And with that, we'll close with a word of prayer. Father, we, uh, we thank you that you're the one that makes us right. We have no rightness or righteousness of our own, but it's a gift that comes from you. And Lord, I just, uh, I pray that you would just give us all a clear vision for the future, the future of our lives, the future of the ministries that you've called us to, whether it's in the workplace or in a weekly Bible study in our home or in church or in just reaching out to those who are in need, widows and orphans and those who are homeless. Lord, would you just put us in the right place? And most of all, Lord, we just ask that you would give us willing hearts to do that. Lord, I want to lift up the families of the, that lost those uh, missionaries there in Tanzania, Lord. There's just uh, no doubt of brokenness here, seeing young people on a mission to serve the Lord and to spread the gospel. And now they're all, they're all with you. And Lord, that you would teach us all that truly our days are numbered. Life is short. We may only have a little bit of time to do what you call us to do. So Lord, help us to do it with all of our might. Fan that flame of your Holy Spirit and your love in our hearts that we would find ourselves smack dab in the center of your will. Maybe who would say as we're in a word of prayer, you would say, I need, to, I need to be that. I need to be smack dab in the will, center of his will. If that's you and you have a desire to do that, would you just stand to your feet and let me pray for you? You just say, Lord, I, just, I need you to direct me by your spirit. Lord, bless these who are standing or just a desire to do your will. A desire to be right with you, Lord Jesus. Forgive us, wash us, Use us. Direct the steps of those who are standing right now. Give them your strength, your power, your might. Give them a hunger for your word that would lead and direct them in every step that they take. We pray it in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand, shall we? If you need prayer, prayer team will be over here to the right. God bless you guys.